0: Welcome to the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes R.J. Haman, the head of government relations and communications, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And today's topic, a proposed border security bill. It's beyond time. And R.J. Haman, welcome back to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast.
1: Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me on.
0: I want to start here because I know you keep up with trends. And what's the latest from the southern border of the United States? last time we talked, things were pretty dire.
1: Well, you know, again, the Biden administration is always trying to keep the border numbers under wraps, unlike in the Trump administration, when the prior month was released, probably a week into the following month, the Biden administration holds it in their back pocket as long as possible. So we expect the official April numbers uh, to be released probably tomorrow a Friday after five o'clock. So they miss the news cycle. However, since the Biden administration is involved in border security related litigation, notably um, them trying to end Title 42, they actually have to notify the judge about the numbers down at the border. So it was kind of leaked. It was it contained in a court document that Fox News uncovered, where they did find out the April numbers. And it's two hundred and thirty-four thousand people were apprehended down at the border in the month of April. That is the highest number in DHS history. So you, you got to keep in mind. I mean, it might not be the highest number ever, but we never always collected the data like we currently do. But since DHS was formed, we haven't seen a month that high. And with Title Forty Two. It's only getting rid of about 90,000 people that are apprehended. So most of the people who came in, most of that 230 or so thousand are people that are released and into the interior of the country and coming to American communities.
0: And you mentioned Title 42, and we've talked about it previously. What's the present status, and do we have any updates? Because there was some pushback developing.
1: Well, yeah, there is a still like a temporary injunction on, on the administration's ability to end it. Now, keep in mind... They even said it was going to stay in place until may twenty third, which I believe is Monday. I do expect, again, this is a Trump appointed judge uh, down in Louisiana, I believe, and this is a, I think about eighteen states uh, were suing. And I do think that he is going to prevent the Biden administration from entering it, doing a, a longer injunction for about a month or two. And I honestly think, you know, Congressional Democrats and the Biden administration are almost quietly hoping and praying that he does prevent them from ending Title 42. So they can look at their base, who's trying to get them to walk a, a political and policy plank and say, sorry guys, we tried. And then the border crisis numbers won't go as high as we expect. But again, I mean, even if Title 42 remains in place, even if it gets lifted, The border numbers are going to be sky high, and and the American people are sure to reject the Biden administration at the polls in November.
0: They certainly are, and I'm hearing more and more about it every day. People are so frustrated. RJ, I want to talk about this Mm -hmm. flagship border security bill, the proposal. Who's behind this? Because I noticed there was uh, quite a group of influential organizations and individuals.
1: Yeah, no, we were thrilled to, to work with big organizations like, obviously, the Heritage Foundation, the America First Policy Institute, other immigration groups like Numbers USA, uh, we had a very big crew of people, pretty much every immigration policy maker in the Trump administration, Chad Wolf, DHS secretary, Tom Homan, ICE director, Mark Morgan, CBP commissioner, and even other people within the Trump administration, like his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, Russ Vought, who ran, ran OMB, and his former ambassador to Mexico till the end of the term. So again, what we, try to, we want Republicans to realize on Capitol Hill is, listen, if you guys take back one or both chambers, okay? The immigration issue is no longer messaging. OK, it's one thing right now to be highlighting, you know, we're being invaded. There is a border crisis going on. But we want them to realize that, hey, we want people to have a choice in November. Do you want the Biden border crisis or do you want a party that actually has solutions to end the border crisis? OK, this isn't just a messaging thing. So what we're urging them to do is have a flagship bill right in the 118th Congress within the first couple of weeks. Put on the floor to tell the American people and give the Biden administration a choice. Send something to his desk. So the American people know that, listen, we gave him an opportunity to end the border crisis and he didn't. One other important thing here, Republicans cannot go down the path like some of their moderates want to do and just have a bill that's simply allocating resources. Okay, now border wall's great and we think border wall funding should be a part of a package, don't get me wrong, but that can't be the cornerstone. The Biden administration can reallocate that funding and if you're giving them other things too, they could just use that to help process even more migrants Quickly and efficiently. If you truly want to end the border crisis, you need to make statutory changes. You need to completely revamp our asylum system so people can't make frivolous claims and get released into the country. Our immigration debate, policy debate, etc. It's a very weird point. You know, groups like Fair have long called mandatory e verified which would be able to, to weed out um, you know employers who are hiring illegal aliens and prevent illegal aliens from working. You know, turn off the jobs magnet. That was always the holy grail. But things have changed with all these illegal aliens being able to come in under the guise of legality. Some of them are able to obtain work permits mm-hmm. if their frivolous asylum claim is taking years to be adjudicated. You know, Now they're coming illegally. They, they want to get caught. You know, they don't want to disappear into the country and quietly work under the table. They want to go through this process because they know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So everything's changed, and we just want to make sure you know, that Republicans are offering the correct solutions to actually end it the American people will take note. It's no longer just a messaging issue.
0: Yeah, RJ, before we get into specifics, and there's a number of really excellent proposals here, I do want to talk a bit about your, your point about messaging versus action. Because we've seen a lot of people talking tough when they're in the minority. Uh, this happened with Obamacare, but on a lot of issues. And then the Republicans take control and they do nothing. How are we going to make sure that doesn't happen this time? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's, again, one of the main things that happened under Trump. And I think under the Trump situation, it's a little bit different. You know, nobody expected him to win. So I don't think anybody in Capitol Hill was prepared to be working with a friendly administration and be able to accomplish legislative goals. But what's happening here for Republicans in Capitol Hill is this is almost a foregone conclusion. I mean, if you're looking at the like the internal Democratic polls, so there are 10 points Republicans are up, you know, on the generic ballot. So I think everybody knows it's going to be a bloodbath. So Republicans need to start preparing now, so they can have shovel-ready reforms ready right out the gate. But but again, this is just something that that's why again, groups like us and we're trying to educate the public to just grease the wheels now, allowing these you know lawmakers on Capitol Hill, Republican leadership in both chambers, to really prepare so they are ready right when they take back Congress. And there's a couple other components. I mean, here too is what we're saying as well is not only do you have to do a flat piece of flagship legislation, but I think we are we've recognize though listen i mean what even if that is able to get to biden's desk which i still don't think is possible given the 60 vote threshold in the senate biden's not going to sign it he's not going to let his his open borders puppeteers over there would never let him put pen to paper on something that would end the border crisis and stem the flow of, of illegal migration they want that so republicans need to find other areas they need to ramp up aggressive oversight they'll have more oversight authority being able to to get records and data from, from these uh, open borders people within DHS, bring my orchids to Capitol Hill frequently, make an answer for what he's done down at the border. I mean, we've seen them, you know, they've created select committees. I mean, I think the border crisis would be worthy of one. You had one for Benghazi last time Republicans were in control. They're obviously having one for January 6th. Maybe the border could meet that uh, criteria. And then lastly, I think the most important part is they really need to be aggressive with the purse strings. Okay. They will be funded, the federal government. They will be controlling those spending bills. The Biden administration cannot operate without the money that Republicans at Capitol Hill will be giving them. So you cannot just give them a blank check at any agency, I think. You have to attach some strings to the money and make sure it is
0: spent as intended. It's very true, and I hope there are people willing to hold them to that. I want to go to some of these recommendations, and I want to tell you up front, I'm very excited to see mm-hmm. the the concrete recommendations have been put forward by this group to say, hey, these are the things we need mm-hmm. to do. I want to start with amnesty because we have a problem with this going back to the Reagan years. And I admired him greatly as a president, but one of his greatest mistakes, I guess, was to allow this flood to come in under the guise of we'll never do it again. And then this has happened over and over.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's one point we really wanted to make. And again, we had this fear, and I maybe it's a little too in the weeds, but There was another proposal that Republicans put forward. Uh, Notably, it was uh, Congressman Katko from New York, who's actually retiring. He's the current chair of the Homeland Security Committee. And he introduced a bill called the Border Security for America Act. It didn't have an amnesty, but again, all it did was resource allocation, like I mentioned earlier. Our fear is if the Republican leadership was to get behind such a package, the Biden administration could call their bluff and just say, OK, we are willing to stomach this in exchange for some legalization. And I think Republicans may bite at that. Leadership would pivot back to their whole political miscalculation. Oh, we need to do this. We need to protect the dreamers, yada, yada, yada. We've heard it for so long. But the Biden administration could be desperate for political cover and they could act like this Border Security for America Act, which is woefully inadequate, is a big sacrifice for them and lure kind of Republicans to the table. We just don't even want to get to that point. Okay, an amnesty would make the crisis 10 times worse. It would trigger an even greater flow. It cannot happen. Whatever goes to the president's desk or, or the other chamber, if it originates in the House, goes to the Senate. Again, it has to be a clean package with no amnesty in it, just border security reforms that will truly end the crisis.
0: There's another one here that I think would leave a lot of people scratching their heads only because they probably thought we already had the authority to do this. But it's creating mm-hmm. authority to immediately expel illegal aliens across the border. I think the situation we're in right now is totally untenable. You've described why, but this seems mm-hmm. like a very basic first step.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is. And we, we got to get rid of some of the authority uh, that the DHS secretary has to kind of make his own call that we're not able to, you know, immediately expel illegal aliens. We don't even have the resources to keep them detained uh, for the time being. We just end up releasing them into the interior of the country to NGOs, and we never hear from them again. I mean, again, we have to put the, the control back in the hands of Congress and not having a DHS secretary can choose, you know, which laws uh, he can enforce or which laws he doesn't want to enforce.
0: Let's talk about this disparate treatment of contiguous versus non-contiguous, unaccompanied alien children. It doesn't really seem to make any sense at all. Where did that come from and why do we have it?
1: The whole thing about, you know, they're treated very differently, you know, based on where they're from. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're from a, a non-contiguous country, I mean, that obviously is a country that's not connected to the United States, you get treated entirely differently. So if a Mexican child was to be smuggled across the border, they actually do get removed. But if you're from Central America, you get released into the country to a sponsor or something. So that's a magnetic uh, pull factor for people sending their children up with human smugglers where there's rape and and, and violence. And and it's it's just terrible to, to have that. I mean, the other thing, too, and this underscores a whole flaw uh, with the asylum system as well when it comes to countries that border the United States and countries that don't. Listen. If you're a true, you know, you saw I I saw pictures on the news uh, the other day of a lot of people that are still waiting in Mexico for Title 42. And again, these are so-called asylum seekers. They're already being trained up by immigration lawyers and NGOs of what to say, how to game the process to ensure that you're released into the country. And they're just chilling in Mexico, you know, sleeping, just waiting, and everything. Listen. If you're truly an asylum seeker and you're fleeing a country, the moment you get out of that country into another one, into Mexico which is a country Americans vacation in. Okay, you should want to stay there. You're now free. You're now away from what you're supposedly fleeing. But I think seeing that that isn't the case and they just want a country shop and go to the next coin, that just shows that they're economic migrants who are gaming
0: the system. I guess the other question on that would be, RJ, how do we even know what country anyone's from? I mean, if they come here and they have no idea and they're they're from Mexico, but they think they'll get better treatment for their kids if they say they're from Colombia, uh, is that game going on?
1: Yeah, yeah, Rob. I mean, everybody. I haven't been down in a minute, but I, you know, everybody I know who's been down to the border uh, recently and everything. I mean, there's just piles and piles of identification documents. I mean, that's a that's a thing that they're known to do. And again, uh, you have these immigration lawyers. I mean, it's like a, it's like an industry, an extremely lucrative industry, and all the charities down there that transport them up around the country. They tell them exactly what to do. And one of the things is to almost get rid of your, your materials, your papers, and any identification that you have. And then it's like impossible for asylum officers or immigration courts to be able to figure out who these people are and what their backgrounds are. I mean, again, that's why this is it's such a big public safety issue. Uh, we don't know who we're releasing into American communities. And even if we think we do, I mean, we, we still don't communicate as well as we should with a lot of these countries. You know, you're seeing this, this uptick in, in migration from Haiti and, and Cuba. Haiti's got a very corrupt government. And then Cuba is obviously still kind of an enemy, you know, a, a communist country that we don't have great relations with. So how do we know that they're providing us with the right information and these people don't have criminal records? We really don't.
0: The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast with R.J. Haman of FAIR continues in a moment.
2: Associated Press award-winning journalist Rob Schilling.
0: Investigative journalism. Schilling Show Unleashed. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. We continue with R.J. Hammond, head of government relations and communications for Fair, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, talking about a proposed border security bill and some of the excellent provisions within. You mentioned earlier the border wall, and I want to find out where we are on that. And I've been hearing rumors that there are just materials lying around and decomposing out in the desert somewhere. What's the status of the wall? Where do we stand now?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, we've seen, you know, there's some drone footage, I think, you know, in the last six months, obviously, of, yeah, there's just acres and acres and acres of uh, rusting border wall materials that have been sitting out. The Biden administration tried to cancel a lot of contracts and, and not use the money that was allocated by Congress specifically for it. That's something that was actually addressed in the omnibus spending bill, that $1.4 trillion package that probably triggered a, a decent little bit of inflation. But uh, we don't really trust that the Biden administration is adequately spending that money. I don't think they're building new parts of the wall. They're just probably BSing and, and acting and, and enhancing Uh, current infrastructure but again the the other thing to keep in mind is the wall is great sure it's needed in some areas but again these people they're not climbing the wall they're just walking around to a port of entry or near a port of entry and and just turning themselves in sometimes even in front of the wall and if there's a gate of sorts they're let in so they can make their frivolous asylum claim and get released into the country so a wall made sense before the Biden administration came in, you know, the Trump administration tried to strengthen our asylum laws. They had remain in Mexico. It was a big part, you know, of their border security strategy. And now they found a way around it. I mean, that's again, that kind of underscores the point of why we really need these statutory changes more than just throwing money or resources down there at the problem.
0: There are two organizations as a Border Patrol and obviously ICE. We've discussed them both, but they are separate and distinct in their missions, and they both have needs. So in the context of this bill, let's talk about each one, what they do and what they need.
1: The most important thing about CBP right now is, you know, I always joke that you know, under the Biden administration, you know, U.S. Customs and Border Protection is now U.S. Customs and Border Processing. So if you're the Biden administration, you know, they even tried to act like, OK, well, we got an increase in money for the Border Patrol and we actually allowed for you know new hiring. But the new hiring was for processing people, OK, not actual Border Patrol officers that are down there seizing narcotics and stopping illegal immigration. So the money, you know, or, or everything that gets provided, again, this is statutory changes along with new resources, needs to explicitly go actually uh, serve the agency's mission, okay? They actually need more actual border patrol officers down there, okay? And then they need, obviously, more space to be able to hold these people as their claims are quickly adjudicated so we don't have to release them into the country. Now, again, on the ICE front, I mean, the agency's mission has been completely gutted under the Biden administration. You know, I think in the last fiscal year, they maybe only deported about 90,000 people with millions upon millions of illegal aliens in this country. I mean, they know darn well if I make this claim and I'm lying through my teeth. I won't show up in immigration court for maybe a year or two. And even if I'm ordered deported, I'm not going to be deported because of how their their priorities are. They only say that the only people that are going to get deported are the ultimate criminals, the criminals of the criminals. I mean, somebody obviously that committed a murder or, you know, a rape or something. But if you're just a person who's here illegally and you haven't committed the crime, you will not be deported. And I even think if you're The person who's here illegally and you commit a lower level crime, even a lower tier felony, not just misdemeanors, I still don't think they'll be deported. So ICE's agency mission has gone. They need more resources in terms of, you know, being able to deport more people and obviously hold more people in detention um, uh, as they await their removal.
0: How about the Remain in Mexico policy? Is that even still in place? And if so, to what extent?
1: Well, the, the administration was ordered to kind of restart it. Um, even though they were trying to end it. But what they're doing is all for show to, to pretend that they're complying with a court order. If I'm not mistaken, I, I don't have the freshest numbers in front of me, but I think they've only returned people to Mexico, maybe about 2000 of them under Remain in Mexico. And that's dating back to, I believe that uh, December um, was when they ordered to, do it. maybe I think it was November or December. So again, it's all for show. They're pretending to comply with the court. They know what darn well that if they fully implemented the program, it would stop the flow OK, and actually keep people on the other side of the border as their claims are adjudicated. They don't want that to happen. It's, a, it's the most ridiculous thing that you know that there's a shovel ready executive branch reform that you can use and they just refuse to do so.
0: We've got problems with false claims, grounds for asylum, particularly gang violence and mm-hmm. domestic violence. Anybody can make that up. What are we going to do about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's the other thing. I mean, we just have to tighten up the eligibility uh, you know, there's, those are claims, again, that you have to keep in mind, though, too, these asylum officers and some people, some of these immigration judges, you're simply preaching to the choir. I mean, they know exactly what to say. And, and, and there's some, you know, there's some of these people believe terms like that have broad applicability. I mean, that if you're coming from a country in Central America, you're automatically eligible because of the crime down there. I mean, that's just something, you know, I think that's become almost the new normal. So we really have to tighten up that eligibility and, you know, make sure that each case is looked at in great detail. To make sure you're individually analyzing, you're not just allowing in blocks of people um, uh, from, a, from a certain country. And one of the things the Biden administration is doing as well that, that we're just so opposed to, and it's going through the, the regulatory process, they're doing this very officially. So it's going to be tough to challenge in court, but they actually want asylum officers who are the most open borders, radical left-wing contingent, I think, uh, within the federal government. They want to allow them to be able to rubber stamp migrants, okay? They don't want to, them to have to go to an immigration court and ICE to actually be prosecuting the case to deport them, okay? They want these immigration, these asylum officers to be able to approve the claim right at the gate, rubber stamp them, and ensure they're released into the country. Now, what they're saying, their intentions are pure, which is a lie. They're saying they just, oh, we want to plow through the backlog much quicker, okay? We don't want to send them into the country for two years. We want to quickly adjudicate their claim. Okay, that sounds all well and good, but look at the people who are adjudicating those claims. They're people with a rubber stamp in their hand. Wink, wink, want them Mm -hmm. to come into the country. So, again, the Biden administration, they'll have to give it to them. They're savvy, um, but we all know their true intent.
0: There's something here that, that really appears to me to be critically important, and that point is to reverse Arizona versus U.S. and give states independent authority to participate in enforcement of immigration laws uh, that was a, a, an atrocious decision, but it had great magnitude and really a chilling effect across the country. So uh, this is this something that can be done legislatively?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely could. I mean, to give these states the authority uh, to enforce the law. You know, we, we've, we've been analyzing and, and talking to, to border states, too, about the authority that they can use. I mean, there's a big effort to to declare an invasion, kind of test the federal government on, you know, okay, we're going to, you're not doing anything. So we're going to try our best to kind of stop this. But yeah, again, states are extremely limited right now. Texas has done all they can. You know, I think sending uh, governor Abbott, sending DPS down to the border served as a deterrent from here and there. But like, listen, when they were arresting illegal aliens and they held them, they can only hold them for so long. Every single, I think they, they were able to detain about twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 of them. Every single one who was released, they notified DHS, but none of them were deported. They were just delaying the inevitable. And then, you know, what Governor Abbott did as well of of having buses transport, you know, illegal aliens up here to Washington, that's almost doing them a service. You know, you're allowing them to come to a predominantly Central American community in the suburbs of D.C., and I think there's more immigration lawyers per capita in our area than, than anywhere else. So I think you're almost doing them a favor. It's all for show. So if states are going to be able to act, we need to make sure that they can act in a way that actually will deter illegal immigration and enforce the law. It can't all be for political show, but... Again, we appreciate what, what some states have done, and, and though their their intent is, is to keep their citizens safe
0: and the borders secure. R.J., I wanted to go to another topic here, uh, illegal aliens getting pallets of baby formula while Americans are facing rationing. Uh, this is something that's gotten the ire of people across the country. Uh, what documentation do we have of this actually taking place?
1: I'm not going to defend the Biden administration here and everything, but I, you know, I understand though too. If, you know, if you have... These, ch- these minors and these babies and stuff that are being taken here by their parents, they do have to be taken care of. You know, that's something that's something that's outside of their control, but it is does show that the federal government's priorities are out of whack. I mean, obviously American children should be treated the same. I mean, it should be just as much of a crisis if low income people are unable to feed their children or just regular people around the mm-hmm. country are unable uh, to feed their babies. But we still don't know the true details on this. You know, just, it was a couple photos kind of went viral um, of a storage room and some, and some pallets of baby formula being brought down by the federal government. But, I mean, again, this is such a broader issue of the Biden administration's mismanagement of so many supply chains and radical policy decisions that have, you know, a snowball effect in many areas. And, and I, I think, you know, the one area, the, the people that I think are just exempt from anything that the, the rest of the Americans are, are suffering from are people that come here illegally because the red carpet gets rolled out.
0: This one other thing I wanted to talk about, which was the previously deported illegal alien who's suing ICE now. This is Jose Guerra Castaneda. Tell us the story, please.
1: Who was deported, comes back, and then is suing ICE for that initial deportation. I mean, it's, it's just, there's, there's not much else to say. I mean, it's just, I feel like it's one of those other examples of, of every day you see something in the immigration space that makes your jaw drop. And it's like, you know, listen, are, are these people even enforcing our laws? Do we even have a border? Um, you know, it, it's just, it, again, it's ridiculous. And it just shows, again, that these people that they come to our country and everything, it's a lack of respect, I think, to some extent, too. But that's a lack of respect that we've triggered by not securing our borders and not enforcing our laws. We almost, I, I guess, sow this kind of attitude and this rejection of laws that are, that are on the books and, and and truly need to be enforced. Again, that's why we have to secure our borders so much. And it's got to be a top priority um, if Republicans take back the chamber in November.
0: RJ, how can we get more information on your work at FAIR or even support the efforts there?
1: Yeah, Rob, I encourage everybody to go to www.fairus.org. That's www.fairus.org. We've got a ton of good daily content. You can figure out what's going on in Capitol Hill and down at the border. Plenty of ways to donate and take action as well. Again, we're going to need everybody's help on contacting your lawmakers and just making your voice heard uh, coming next year. And that's fairus.org.
0: R.J. Haman with Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thanks for your ongoing efforts and thank you for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast.
1: Of course, Rob.
0: That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at SchillingShow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time...